LinkedIn presents. When I saw, I read this, his hesitancy, I felt, oh, okay, so I'm worth something. He's hesitating. He's not saying no right way. And so I picked up that asking, you know, the worst case scenario, it's a no. It's worth asking, right? So you need to kind of deal and learn and accept to be rejected eventually. But I didn't care to be rejected. Uh, you know, I had nothing to lose. So when I realized that, you know, asking, I have nothing to lose. Can't the worst is the no. No degree, no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving. We growing in the knowing, the wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. Welcome to another episode of the No Degree Podcast. I want to personally thank you for tuning in and supporting our show. If you haven't yet, hit that follow or subscribe button. I encourage you, don't keep this to yourself. Share these inspiring stories with your friends, invite them to subscribe, and connect with us on social media. So today, I have Renato, and Renato has a very interesting background. Do you mind giving a brief introduction of yourself? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So first of all, Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's great to be here. And yeah, as my background, uh, as you can probably hear from my accent, I come from Italy, even though I've been living in different cities and traveling all over the world. Currently, I'm in Sydney and I own and run my own business, my marketing agency, and many little side businesses. But it wasn't, it wasn't always that easy, I can guarantee you. I went through, you know, a lot of hustling and side hustling and travel, traveling before funding my own dimension. And I took some very important decisions that turns out to be tough at the time and risky, but turns out to be good. And, and that's probably why I contacted you, because one of my tough decisions in life was dropping out of college, dropping out of university, which seems like a very dumb thing to do at the time. But for me, in my personal case, was a blessed and turned out to be a very good decision because I had the opportunity to um, get into the workforce earlier. And obviously, uh, that opened up a lot of opportunity that if I were going to go to university, I would have, I feel in my personal case, I would have lost, quote unquote, 10 years of my life worth of experience that have become so valuable in the future. Yeah, that's amazing. So what made you want to decide to drop out? Yeah, so I used to study something very different to what I do now. I used to study biotechnology, biomolecular and industrial. And it felt the right thing at the time, you know, um, was a decision made by an 18 years old person who thought, I, I still now I love science and I do have some projects regarding science, but at the time seemed the best decision. And here's the first point. I think making a decision and commitment of four, five, six, seven years, depending on the college you, you uh, and the university you decide to do, it's 18 years old. I don't, I don't think it's the right age to make such a choice. But in reply to your question, I had the feeling that I didn't make the right choice for myself. After a couple of years going to uni, I saw what my friends and colleagues that were a little bit more advanced than me, you know, the one that already got a degree and now we're doing the PhD, and so on, they were having it tough. Obviously not every one of them. And I found out that, you know, the journey to get like what was a normal salary was gonna be like a 10 years, 15 years commitment. And I've asked myself the question, I said, do I really wanna do that? 
me, myself, that I was struggling so much financially at the time. Unfortunately, I had to pay for everything. I had to work at night time to support and pay for uni. And I decided, you know, I was unhappy. And I took the, the, you know, the call. I said, okay, I'm unhappy. I don't see a bright future for me personally on that. And I'm just going to make the call. Just going to drop off and trying to achieve other goals because I want to travel. I want to live in different cities. That's what I want to do. I'm sure about it. And I know I have, quote unquote, wasted two years of my life, but I don't want to waste either two or three because I knew at the time that it wasn't for me. And so that same day, I just decided to drop out, went home, said, mom, I'm just going to pack up, go to Milan and try to find myself in other ways. Um, you know, they didn't understand at the time, they didn't agree, but, you know, time proved me uh, right. And, you know, that's something called the sunk cost fallacy, whereas just because you did two years does not mean you need to do another two years. You already, that time is gone going forward. And in your case, it definitely made sense. Hey, this was not right for me. So if something's not right for you, look, it's one thing if you're like three and a half years done. Okay, maybe that makes sense. But you don't have to go another year because then you keep on digging yourself deeper and deeper into the hole. So then what happened next? So you you left. They didn't understand. You're going to Milan. Tell me more. Yeah. So I I wanted to try. I knew I wanted to travel and live in different cities. I, I knew that. I knew that since I was 13. Right. Life experience in different cities is amazing. And while I was at uni, I said, OK, I can do both. I can apply for something called Erasmus in, in Europe. Right. When you can study in other cities. And I want that. But I didn't have the money to pay the ticket to go to Santiago de Compostela to study. That was like the last drop that made me make the call. So what I did at the time, in reply to your question, I went home and I was working at the time into a, um, a summer job. You know, in, in, in Italy, in Europe, we got these, you know, these summer jobs. You know, you work on the season, on the summer season for resorts. And it's good for the season. You, you get a work for like four months and that's it. Hey, are you frustrated with your job search? Are you sending out resume after resume with no callbacks? If so, I have some good news. After three years of helping over 400 people land jobs at places like Meta, HubSpot, Google, Twitter, Amazon, Tesla, Disney, Sony, just to name a few, I created a course. In the Get Your Dream Career course, you'll discover best practices for creating a resume that stands out and you'll also learn how to optimize your job search. It covers every aspect of the job including resumes, application strategy, networking, LinkedIn profile optimization, interview guidance, and salary negotiation. You will also get a behind-the-scenes view of how recruiters use LinkedIn to find candidates. And of course, you'll get resume and cover letter templates. Get one step closer to your dream job. Sign up at the link in the notes below. And since it was April, I said, okay, at least I know I've got, I'm covered for four or five months with this job. And I'm going to stay in somewhere. So let me do that. And that's going to give me the opportunity to, to figure out what I'm going to do next. And so that's what I did. I went to Rimini first before going to Milan. And while I was at Rimini, after the summer job was finished, there was, you know, I met some people there that could help me, you know, find a place to stay in Milan, obviously by paying. But at least, you know, there was a connection. And from there, I decided to go to Milan and study. I said, okay, I want to get something like a piece of paper that maybe can be helpful. So I did the private course, which in my case was totally useless. I, I wish I would have saved those money. It was in tourist management and I thought it was good for me at the time. 
So when I went to Milan, I tried to find a job. The first job that I found was McDonald's. I was getting paid probably 600, 700 euro a month while I was studying. And, uh, you know, I was surviving, mate. The money I was earning were enough to pay for rent, the, this private course, grocery, that's it. No going out, no dinner, nothing. And, and I had tough. I said, okay, I, you know, I made that decision because now it's on me. I need to prove to myself that I was right. And I know I want to do something good in my life. So I need to do something to escape. Italy didn't work for me at the time. Like it just didn't work for me, the, the reality. So I said, okay, I need to, I came up with an idea that turned out to be successful in my case. This was the idea. I said, okay, I did. So to, to give you a backstory, right? I did the summer job, April to September, then September to March, April, I went to Milan. I was that struggling, you know, just not having enough money. And since it was April again, I said, okay, I can do again this summer job that I do because at least rent is paid. You know, it's not much money, but at least rent is paid. But I know the money that I earned it are not enough for me to move overseas. So I need to come up with a creative idea to move overseas. So I said, okay, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? What can I do? I have nothing. I have no knowledge, no contacts. So I come up with an idea of writing a book. And I said, okay, let me, writing a book sounds cool. I can do that. So I said, but what is the most effective thing for me to write a book? So I said, what can I do? Because writing a book is complex, right? Especially when you're like 19, 20. So I said, okay, I can write poetry. Book of poetry, 35 poetry. Every day I can go there, write a poetry, one a day, you know, in a month and a half, I've done my book. And so I did. I started writing these poetry. And now I had 35 poetry. I said, nice, I'm gonna send it to the big publishers, I'm gonna be famous. It wasn't that way, right? Obviously, like nobody got back to me. Besides one publisher, which was this small publisher, they sent me the letter. I said, oh, we selected your book. And I said, whoa, that's great, they're gonna be published. Pretty much what they said, they said, look, we're gonna publish your book, but you need to purchase the, the copies, right? Yeah. And keep $2, two euros out of it. And we kept, Keep 80%, you, you, you keep like 20% out of it, which worked out to be two euros. I said, okay, okay, I think I can pre, I didn't have the money to pre-purchase those copies. Minimum order was a hundred. So I said, okay, creatively, what can I do? I can pre-sell those books. Fortunately, to work, because of my summer job, you know, I kept in contact with all the people, with all the resorts, the customers of the resorts of my summer jobs. And they became real friends, right? So I contacted one by one of those and say, hey guys, I'm publishing a book, but I need some money to, you know, get the first release. Do you want to pre-buy it? Do you want to pre-purchase it? And I swear, once I have the book in my hands, I'm going to sign it and send it to you via post. And I said, bracket. Of course, you're going to pay for postage because I don't have the money. And I, I got a hundred sales from that. People were so nice and supportive. And all of a sudden I had this book, right? With my name on it. And I sent it to the people. And then I went to this summer job that I was mentioning you again. And I'm gonna make sure, I promise, the summer job was being an entertainer in this big resort. So imagine, follow me, like there is this um, resort with 5,000 people every week. 5,000 people coming on a Saturday, doing the week holiday and leaving. And I was the entertainer. So that means I was presenting the show and I try for those people. At the end of the week, I was pretty much promoting my book. And because people liked me, not because I'm a great writer, uh, just because people liked me, they were buying the book. 
And so I sold quite a few copies, which for me were a lot of copies, right? And, and all of a sudden, although there were, I didn't have a big cut from it, by summing the salary of the job itself plus the monies of the book, all of a sudden I had a little bit of money to finally, you know, pack up and go overseas in London and do an experience in, in other countries. And the book helped, helped me a lot to do that move. When I went to London, a, a new journey uh, started uh, for me. I got like a, a job still in hospitality. I was like concierge. I didn't know English. I figured out things there. I started a job in hospitality and I started to get like a normal, decent salary. But then something happened. The people who purchased the book, they asked me, they said, oh, when is the next copy? When is the next one going to come? I said, really? I said, do you want me to write another one? And, and that's the story that connects me with the agency. Because I said, okay, if people are asking a little bit more money, I can write another book of poetry, but this time I'm going to self-publish it. So I don't have to give 80% to the publisher. And that's what I learned all the world of you know, self-publishing, having a website to sell the book, market the book. And that, that's how I started being interested to marketing, initially to sell my eBooks. And then I started having some jobs from other, you know, from other, uh, from employers in marketing. And, and when I came to Australia, I decided to start doing it on a more freelancing about it. Still working for someone else, but doing freelancing at the side, on the side. And that freelancing gig has gradually over the years evolved into what I do now, which is a, a full-time business. Can you describe like how much money you were sort of making throughout the process? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I'm actually, I'm, I'm glad you asked that question because I hope that I can inspire through this podcast at least some people that are struggling, right? So my first job, do you remember the summer job that I was telling you? I started doing that since I was 18. The first year, I was getting 300 euros a month. 300 euros a month. Yes, accommodation was included, food was included, but I was working 16 hours a day. The second year, I had the raise, 350 euros a month. And I swear, those are real numbers. I'm not making these up. And then I did that for a number of years through the seasons. And then the last year, the year where I sold the book, I was able to negotiate. That's what I learned. I said, negotiation is key. If you don't ask, you don't get that raise. And the last year I said, oh, I need to ask. I need to get at least something more. And I negotiated to have a salary of 1,200. The last year, the years of the book. In terms of the book, I think I made, that year I did a lot because I also was... Um, don't remember. I, I know that at the end of the season, I had 6,000, 7,000 euros net, right? Which for me, like I felt like a millionaire at the time, right? Like I spent my tea not be able to have money to go for lunch with my friends, right? So I said, whoa, I got 7,000 euros. Re it really felt like being a millionaire. When I went to London, my first job as a in a restaurant first and then as a concierge was, I think, 900 pounds, 1,000 pounds. Uh, but I was I was targeting hotels because I knew some hotels would give you free accommodation, right? So I said, at least I can get those money clean. So I had those 1,000 pounds, but clean because I wasn't paying for accommodation. And with the books, I don't remember how much I sold, but I did another, not much, to be honest. I didn't sell many books with the books, but I did another 1,000, 1,500 yeah. pounds, maybe all up. Uh, and I've been in London a total of two years. I did travel a little bit as well because I said I didn't live my life. I didn't enjoy my life in my things. So I want to enjoy it now that I can. So I traveled a lot. 
And when I left London, I had, I think, three, four thousand pounds aside. But I've done a lot of experiences as well, so I enjoyed life. Then I went in Italy to do another job in marketing. Uh, I said, wow, I can come back in Italy with the proper job, with the proper contract. And I was earning 1,600 euro a month. And I did that for, few, for a few months. And then I went to Australia. And in Australia, I started working first for um, a gelato company. And for the gelato company, I was earning decent money, good money for Australia. For me, like, it was like a dream, right? I was earning 700 Australian dollars a week, which for me, I said, whoa, I'm rich, right? Coming from where I was coming from. And then, but I was doing side hustle on, uh, on the side. And that's another story for people maybe listening. When I came to Australia, I, the very beginning was all done wrong for me. I came a little bit cocky, meaning that I said, oh, I made it in London by not knowing English and no connection. And first time being in another country. Now that I go in Australia, I already know English. I've done experiences overseas. I have a work experience, right? So I can make it easy. So I didn't do my research and anything. And I found out that Australia is a very um, expensive country. So I was, I realized that if I didn't find a job, I would run out of money pretty soon. And that's what I started calling all the agencies. I went on Google, marketing agencies, calling all the agencies because sending the CV, the resume wasn't, was a very slow process. Called all the agencies until one picked up and I said, hey, look, I do social media marketing. I'm finding a job. I just arrived. And the girl said, okay, let's have a, an interview. I went and do an interview with this lady. She was happy with the interview. She said, look, I, you're great. I cannot hire you. I can't afford to hire you, but you can open an ABM, which is, you know, it's like you can be a sole trader and I can, you can be my contractor instead. So I had no, no intention to be a contractor and a freelancer. She pushed me to do so. And she said, I can give you a first gig for SEO. It's an SEO gig. It's like a setup of a website. It's going to be $700. Do you, uh, do you want to take it? I said, whoa, yes, of course. I said, that's great. Uh, but I didn't know much about SEO at the time. So I took that gig. I went home for two days. I just, you know, I've been in front of laptop studying everything about SEO. And obviously you can't not learn that in two days, but it was enough for me to get that gig and kind of make it happen. And from there, I saw the opportunity uh, because it was, I saw the opportunity. I said, okay, this is a very good area to be in. And then I started doing it properly. And it grew from, from there. So now, was the lack of a degree ever an issue? Um, Work-wise, probably not for what I was looking for. Certainly not for um, entrepreneurship. For what I ended up doing, which is owning a marketing agency, I think the most valuable thing for me was doing uh, the experience that I did on the ground. That was what gave me the, the maximum uh, return. Now, let's take it back. What did you want to be in high school? Okay, so in high school, I was pretty confused, but I knew I liked science and I knew I wanted to be a scientist. And that's why the choice of studying biotechnology. But I had a very different idea of what a scientist would be, right? I thought was, you know, I was very generalizing a lot. So oh, I'm going to be in a lab and make discoveries and make money and make the world a better place. It was very general, right? When I went to uni, I found out what was the more realistic scenario. That is for everything it takes, you know, hustling and ease and ease and ease. And 
and I didn't want to do that. And then I decided I didn't want to do that. I still do science through health and biohacking podcast, but that's a different story, right? But yeah, I wanted to be in science. Now, how do your parents feel about you today? My dad still now doesn't know what I'm doing. Still, I've tried to explain it so many times. He still doesn't get it. Uh, even you know, a few months uh, a few months ago, when I was in Italy for what happened about my mom, I he, you know we, we grouped together, we were talking, and he said, "Rato, you know what? You've been doing this for ten years. I still don't get it." I said, "Dad, it's easy. It's, it's advertising on Google and Facebook, so he doesn't get it." But he's he told me that he's proud of me because, uh, you know, the things that are tangible that he can see, he can see that I'm independent. He can see that financially I'm more comfortable than I have been uh, in my life, especially coming from the place I was coming. So he's proud, but he doesn't quite get 100% what I do. <laughs> yeah, I think my parents don't know what I do. They're like, hey, you talk to people online. What is this? And all that stuff. Um, now, what kept you going? During all those years, like how did you keep going? Because you really struggled and you were very creative. Like, how'd you pick up your skills? Uh, I'm very proud of my younger self now that I look back because now I'm 36. And if I think, if I look back and see the things that I did to get there, right right now, I said, I wouldn't be able to do it. I said, I, I don't know how I, sometimes I think about it. I said, how did I do it? Because I was working a lot of hours, studying until late night. But I knew that um, and it was just the desire to make it. I think that was a big component. Uh, I'm someone in life that when he says something, will do all he can in his power to make it happen. So I think I was driven. I knew I wanted to be independent, financially independent. And I knew also that I didn't have the opportunities that so many other people have, right? I started with some disadvantages compared to the to other people, especially when I came in Australia, that became more obvious because a lot of people that came here, they, you know, they came already with by having, you know, a great job in Europe and some money aside. So I was looking at those people, I said, why they can have it? And I can't have it, right? So I was so a little bit upset, but that anger, I turned it into a positive. I said, okay, no, I'm upset. I want to get there, but the only person that can help me is, is myself. And so I, I was very driven. Uh, I did the promise to myself. I said, I'm never going to stop until I get there. And it took me years though, was um, consistency trying to notice the little improvements and, you know, looking back sometimes was a, was a big help because even when I thought, oh, damn it, I'm working 10 hours, 11 hours a day, I'm doing my normal job and then trying to do this, to run this business on the side and studying and figuring out. But then I looked back and I said, okay, when I was in Milan, I didn't even have a luggage, right, with me because we had one big luggage for all the family. And, um, yeah, and that was good to say, okay, what I'm doing is paying off. Just need to hold on a little bit longer, a little bit longer. No matter what it takes, I'm just going to get there. So in short, I was very driven. Uh, ambition kept me going. How did you learn how to negotiate? Because you went from the 300 pounds to like 1,200. How did you do that? Yeah, so it was gradual because I did that for four or five years. But there was, um, let's say when I was young, when I was like 18, 19, 20, I always was hoping that other people would help me out, right? I realized that it was wrong. I cannot put my faith 
on other people, right? So my mindset was, oh, this person will see that I'm doing all I can, right? And then they're going to naturally come to me and give me a raise. When I realized that was not going to happen, and even with the book thing, when I realized that by asking people, then you can get a better outcome rather than expecting things from people, I said, okay, I can try the same thing with work. So I did. And the guy started saying, oh, no, we can't. That's a big jump. I said, then I cannot come to work. Took a little bit of a risk because I really wanted the, the job. And when I saw, I read this, his hesitancy, I felt, oh, okay, so I'm worth something. He's hesitating. He's not saying no right way. And so I picked up that asking, you know, the worst case scenario, it's a no. It's worth asking, right? So you need to kind of deal and learn and accept to be rejected eventually. But I didn't care to be rejected. Uh, you know, I had nothing to lose. So when I realized that, you know, asking, I have nothing to lose. Can't kind of worse is the no. I love that attitude because oftentimes we think, you know, I had that mindset too. Oh, you're going to work hard. They're going to treat you right. But oftentimes some people will, but a lot of people, they're not, they're thinking about their own money. They're thinking like, oh, he's an expense and all that. But since you did a good job, now they know, oh, he he's worth the money. He, yeah, can we find someone who's going to do it cheaper? But he's not going to have the experience. He's not going to have the work ethic and all that. What are some other skills that you would say really helped you along the way? I think one of the biggest impactful thing, and I know it sounds cliche and woo-woo, but it's true, is reading. Reading self-help books and, and so on. You know, in the beginning, obviously I did study a lot, right? A lot of Google research, a lot of YouTube videos, and a lot of like, you know, courses and premium courses. But then when I started putting more effort into reading, like, uh, you know, books about finance and books about investing entrepreneurship, I was astonished because I said, whoa, like with 10 bucks, I can get like all this value. Because if you think about it, right, even people who, you know, are great at what they do, if they write a book, you know, free courses online and cheap courses online, people are not going to tell you everything, right? They're going to decide unless you pay a lot. But with the book, it's not just business, a book, right? A book is also your own reputation, right? So people are going to try to, to create the best book they can with the best knowledge possible. And you can get that for $10 or, you know, a little bit more. Yeah, reading books was a big help. Like it's the information that you get from it is like having a mentor on 99% sale. So that was a um, big, big help. There are other factors as well, if I may. I remember when I realized the click in business for me was this. When I was working at the gelato shop, they were, you know, great business. I'm still friends with the owners. You know, I thank them to give me the opportunity to work for them. But I did some quick math in my head. I said, okay, they're doing very well money-wise. But what I'm getting, and it was a good pay for what I was doing, it's one, not even one-tenth, it's one-hundred of what they earn. So I said, uh, that was the click for me. I said, it's, I'm never going to grow too much in financially that way unless I do business. There is always a ceiling for me by, by being an employee. And that was the click that I said, okay, no, I, I want to do business because I want to reach unlimited financial possibilities. So that was a big click in my mindset because before that it was like, oh, I want to be the best employee ever impress my boss and getting a raise. Uh, but when I did that click, it helped my business a lot. What books would you say 
really like helped you? What were some of the books that you like top three books? Yeah, 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 absolutely. I love that question. So I'm going to tell the books in order. I think that people, if they read them, they should read them in this order. First, Richest Man in Babylon. That's a good book. Uh, great book. So you start and you change, you know, you get some very essential money saving tips and life saving advice that I think are the baseline that everyone should have, not just in business, in everyone. Number two, it's um, Rich Man, Poor Dad, classic Robert Kiyosaki. There are so many concepts that were life changing for me, like building assets rather than liabilities. Great concept, right? And number three, uh, it's uh, Unshakable by Tony Robbins, which is more talks a little bit more about investments. So those three books, for, for me personally, they were life-changing. I had a big shift in mindset when it comes to money and money management from those three books. Okay, no, I think money management is one of those things that, especially when you don't earn a lot, it's very important to know. And also when you do earn a lot, because some people earn a lot, but if you don't know how to manage your money, it doesn't matter how much you earn, you can always spend more. And I've seen that happen to a lot of people. Now, looking back, what would you say is your biggest accomplishment? Hmm, that's a very tough question. I would say being able to successfully run a business doesn't require 100% of my time. And is I won't say passive because it's not passive, but getting there and getting it overseas, you know, on the other hemisphere, this is something that if I will talk with my 18 years old self, I say, hey, you know, when you get 35, you're going to have your own business. You're going to make good money. You're going to have clients and people chasing you to work with you. And you're going to live in Sydney. You're going to have a nice apartment and stuff. I'm still modest and I remain humble. But I'll, I'll look at it. I said, nah, that's that's impossible because you seemed so far away, right? So just a huge jump. It seemed like impossible at the time for me. So maybe that, but it's also, I think, is not one thing that makes it. It's all the little 1% improvements, you know, that they make the real change. Because I could say the achievement is running the business, but then I could also tell you, oh, but I've learned that 1% improvement that sleeping make me be better at running my business and, you know, be more focused. I can tell you all that the extra 1% was I learned to save my money and manage my money effectively. Or I could tell you that the other 1% was not still caring about the relationship is not just a hundred percent work right you need to present the relationship is all the quadrant that needs to balance so it's all little one percent that makes a huge difference what would you say is the biggest mistake you've made oh i made so many i think if i would have started the journey that i started sooner uh meaning you know going and working sooner right after high school i could have arrived there faster. I think like at three, four years, you know, because these summer jobs, I wasn't get a lot of money. And I feel that I didn't get a lot of value for those four years because I've been doing like, you know, three, four years repeatedly the same things. But then at the same time, if I look back, I said, oh, it works out okay. So probably I wouldn't change anything, including the mistakes, because the mistakes makes you who you are. So yeah, probably I wouldn't change everything. Yeah. If you saw your 18-year-old self walking down the street today, what would you tell him? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'll lo- look, I'll, I'll love to 
to speak with the 18 years old me because, you know, I had a lot of fears at the time and I thought, well, what are I going to do it? So just telling you, oh, it's, it's going to be okay. And that's it because you don't want to, you know, you don't want to give it all away, right? You want him to figure it out by himself. But telling him, hey, worry a little bit less, it's going to be okay. Probably that would give, knowing myself and Indian years old, that would be like a, you know, a big motivation for me to still trust myself and follow my intuition. It's following your intuition is fine. I, yes, I could tell the 18 years old me, I could tell, hey, look, do this instead of this, do this instead of this, do this instead of this. By knowing myself, it wouldn't work for me because I said, oh, I, I need to follow something. I need to follow rules. No, I think when things are genuine, it works out better. But knowing them things will work out okay will give my 18 years old self a little bit more peace and less, you know, worry about the future. Yeah. So now what would you say is the salary range that a business owner can earn in marketing in Australia? It really, really depends to what you want to do, right? And, um, but I think everyone should start at the very least is on side also, even if you do a full-time work. And obviously commit to, to your full-time work, you know, being professional, you know, and following the things that you need to do, it's very important. But let's say someone wants to, so I'll say specialize in something, whether it's SEO, social media marketing, Facebook ads, meta ads, uh, Google ads, or if you don't know what to pick and you need to start from scratch, pick being a creator or pick TikTok ads, for example, because it's so new, it's so new, right? So at least you don't have to compete with a senior with 10 years of experience. So I will pick that up. And you can charge for the management of an account, 1,500 a month. It, it re, the range is really varies. Like I've seen it all with the agency. I've seen people overcharging and people undercharging. But I'll say 1,500 a month for um, a trillion dollars to manage an account. Without, then it depends how much money the client spends. Per month, that could be uh, a reasonable pricing. And that, if you think about it, if you get three clients, you are set free from being an employee and you can start your own, you know, journey, being a freelancer entrepreneur or a solopreneur. Obviously, it's not for everyone, right? Because it never stops, at least by being an employee, it stops when it stops. With that, it never stops. And it takes skill, right? You still need to do the groundwork and study. But if you do it full time, let's say for you take five clients at their rate and you manage them yourself, you don't want to take more than that because it, it still takes time. You can do a good figure. You can do uh, what was that? six thousand, uh, three, six. Yeah, you, can, you can take almost 10,000 a month just by yourself by being a freelancer. Yeah. Now. What are the different areas of marketing? So you said social media marketing, there's SEO. Can you list the other different areas of marketing that people can get into? Yeah, absolutely. So my, my area of marketing is digital marketing. Even though now we're starting also to doing billboards and, you know, imposters and PR. But digital marketing is, is the one that I started because I said, okay, it takes not much upfront investment besides having a website and, you know, and, and, start, and the time that it takes to learn the skills. But yeah, so there are obviously many areas, but I'll summarize the main important one, or at least the main ones that we do. So the first one is SEO, search engine optimization. People have been saying that SEO is dead for like, you know, 10 years. Yeah. Uh, we chat GPT, people say, oh, it's going to be dead. No, it's, it's still on, still happening. And uh, obviously the rule change, 
but that is something that it's, it's a very valuable skill to learn, which is, for those who don't know, you do a certain ground of, uh, you know, you do a lot of work on someone else's site, both on-site and off-site. And the goal that you want to achieve for your client is letting them rank high on Google for certain keywords. And obviously that can generate a big ROI, return on investment for the clients. So let's say you rank, you are a plumber and you are number one for best plumber in Sydney. You know, that keyword generates traffic that is targeted for what you do. And it's valuable, but it takes time. SEO takes time. Uh, then there are ads. Ads are more expensive for clients because they need to pay Google or, or Meta or TikTok plus the fee of an agency or a freelancer, right? But it's the results that will be more immediate, even though it's not easy, right? You should not improvise because obviously you're managing people's money, right? So I'll say don't improvise, learn, be good at something and start rather than doing the contrary. But Google Ads, you manage um, the account of a client. So you know when you type a keyword, I don't know, best podcast in Australia, and then there is the first search result, and it's got the little bold thing that says sponsored. Those are ads. The one without the bold writing that says sponsored, those are organic search results. Only managing a Google Ads account is, is no easy task, but it can be very rewarding for you and for the client. Meta ads, which is ads on the meta platform, so Facebook and Instagram, and the audience network, or TikTok ads, which is managing the ads on TikTok, which is totally different, right? Because then it's a video, reels, UGC content, which is user-generated content that will be different from the normal ads. Or social media marketing, which is you get an account, you produce and create content, and you post this content with the aim of growing the channel organically. Those, those are all areas that, you know, you can pick up one or two areas and, and you don't need many clients. You don't need 100 sales. The, the, the things why... I love marketing is because obviously the, it's more of a high-end ticket selling. And so you don't need to do a lot of sales. So yeah, those, are, those would be the, the main ones. At least the main ones that we do. Oh, thank you. Those are like, it's very comprehensive. And I know a lot of people can get value. So as we start to wrap up, is there anything you want to share that you haven't shared already? I, I just want to say to the people, regard, because I understand people can start in you know very different situations and so have different backgrounds it's and a lot of people want things to be perfect before to start my advice would be just start responsibly and then figuring it out because sometimes if we wait for the perfect moment for the perfect website to publish for the perfect thing to start you're never going to start or you're going to start later than other people and that's going to penalize you. So just start and then figuring out on the way. Do it responsibly, of course. Don't start selling things that, you know, you have no idea out of it. Um, and also for people who they don't even want to put the time, right, to to learn the skills, but they want, they may be good at selling. You can even start without learning the skills, right? You can, you can be the middleman. You sell to a client, you find someone that is very good at what they do, and you keep a cut of it. So you, you can delegate to another contractor, to another freelancer that is very good at Google Ads and um, you make the sale. And then this person, you pay the, the clients pays you, you keep the commission and then you pay the freelancer. 
you could do, you know, people who are listening could also do, could also do this if they're starting out. Uh, I still recommend to study at least a little bit. You should know what you're selling. You should hire the right freelancer. And there are platforms out there um, that can help people to find good freelancers. Like Upwork is a very good one to start, even though you need to be careful in what you hire because a lot of people, they sell themselves to be the best, but then they're not. Still do your due diligence. Yeah. So what are what are your future goals now? All right, so future goals. So right now, one of my goals and challenging uh, challenges is, so I am gradually stepping out from the agency, meaning that I'm becoming more a business owner and, le- and my involvement with clients and with, is, is, is less and less. So I want it to be 100% that way. If I'm sick for a week or a month or, or I decide to take a month off, things should be running without me. It's very challenging, but I'm happy with improvements. So the challenge is to be doing more creative works. So I've been in the agency for a while. I want to keep doing it, um, but I want to also keep putting my time and focus on other project, right? I want to build a lot of like mini satellite website, uh, mini project that generate their own income, either to affiliate marketing or to, you know, rent and sell websites, create more content with, with my own podcast, uh, and also traveling. Yeah, no, I mean, I hope you get to travel more. How would people support you and get in contact with you? Yeah, so I think the best way would be uh, LinkedIn. I am, uh, that's obviously, I mean, all the platform at LinkedIn is the one that you, if you send me a private message, that's where you're going to reach out to me. And it's literally my name and surname, Renato Capasso. I also have an Instagram, but the Instagram is more focused for the health stuff and biohacking things, but I still, the inbox there is also, uh, you know, I, uh, I monitor that inbox pretty frequently as well. And look, if they want to reach out for suggestions to start their own, uh, to start their own agency or anything, they can reach out. I'm more than happy to help. Uh, you know, I, I'm a big believer of giving forward and then good things are going to come to you uh, regardless. Or our website, which is Online Monkeys, uh, onlinemonkeys.au, because we are in Australia, and they can contact us through the contact form. I love that name. That's such a like memorable yeah. And cool name. So I want to thank you so much for your time. This was such a cool episode. I'm glad you reached out. I know that you'll give a lot of inspiration to a lot of people just from how you came, how you did it. So thank you so much. Thank you. Another great episode. Thank you for listening. Hopefully this information was valuable and you learned a lot. Stay tuned for the next episode. This show is sponsored by you. No Degree wants to remain free from influence so that we can talk about the topics without bias. If you think the show is worth a dollar or two, please check out our Patreon page. Any amount is appreciated and will go towards making future episodes even better. Follow us on Instagram or Snapchat at No Degree Podcast, on Facebook at facebook.com slash no degree inc. If you want to personally reach out to me, connect or follow me on LinkedIn at Janaid Iqbal, spelled J-O-N-A-E-D, last name I-Q-B-A-L. Until next time, no degree, no problem, nodegree.com.